2: Voice America listeners, welcome to the 147th ever show of all-around sports as we begin year four. We're each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Last week I said that last week would have been the best sports week of the year, But I may have to reconsider that after this week. Uh, Let's just say the first rounds of the playoffs for both the NHL and NBA are the best two weeks for sports of the entire year. Uh, Wednesday night, as good as it gets, Uh, which is why it was my highlight of the week. Three game sevens in the National Hockey League. And uh, just spectacular. But lo and behold, we have three game sevens. In the NBA tomorrow. And then the possibility, based on three game sixes tonight in the NBA, of three game sevens again on Sunday. So it's just dizzying. Uh, All that's going on, it's just simply a sports fan's dream. uh, You know, to just be channel surfing around to not just games, big games, game sevens. Sprinkled with NBA games. Uh that was Wednesday night. Or last night with uh the three important game sixes in the NBA. Sprinkled with an oh by the way, game seven. Uh or excuse me, game two, it's tough to keep them all straight, all these numbers. Game two, uh round two, game one, Boston Bruins, right here in Boston. The city was pumped to say the least. Uh which turned out to be my low light of the week, which was the disappointing overtime loss, double overtime loss by the Bruins to the Canadians. Uh, Bruins-Canadians is simply, it may be the best rivalry in sports. I think it's, uh, they're meeting for, I think, the 34th time, literally dwarfing anything uh, in any other sport for a number of times. Two teams have met in the postseason. I showed a graphic last night where I think the next biggest one is Sixers-Celtics, and they've met 19 times. So there's nothing else even comparable. And last night certainly uh, lived up to it um, with a double overtime game. Uh, I'm calling it the low light of the week for the simple reason that, uh, you know, I'm based here in Boston, number one. But number two, the Bruins just... Seemed to have owned that game. And with every spectacular scoring opportunity uh, that slipped away, including two that were actually behind the Montreal goalie and didn't go in, Dingouin, one due to a, the puck just rolling sort of oddly away and never crossing the line, mind of its own. Uh, the, ball, the, the puck had eyes, as they say. Another simply hit. The Bruins, uh, Brad Marchand, who had literally gotten himself behind the goalie. So it was by the goalie, but then hit the Bruin. Anyway, the Bruins just seemed to be all over them uh, throughout most of the third period. They tied the game. Montreal jumped out 2 nothing. Bruins tied it 2-2. Montreal took a 3-2 lead. And then with under two minutes to go in regulation, Johnny Boychuk, Johnny Rocket, as he's known here for his uh, blazing slap shot tied it up, and uh, the overtimes were on, where, again, the Bruins just basically dominated and had so many scoring opportunities, and I'm a big believer, with each one that passes, uh, that gives the other team a better chance of winning, uh, where it just seemed like the karma wasn't there, despite the comeback. So, very, very exciting, and interesting, because, obviously, I started off talking about what is arguably the greatest first round in the history of the NBA playoffs. You can make a case that the first round of the NHL playoffs were pretty special. Again, three game sevens on Wednesday night. Doesn't get much better than that. And then for round two of the playoffs, for either sport, both sports, to be the Bruins Canadians of all teams playing really what's being called an instant classic uh, was pretty special. So that may bode well for round two uh, in both sports becoming, uh, you know, near what has already been legendary round one. And we've still got a potentially unbelievable weekend ahead with the NBA with a possibility of, get this, six game sevens in the next 48 hours. I mean, it's literally mind-boggling. So, uh, but lots of fascinating subplots, the, the Pacers, one in Atlanta, you know, they, they're, they're not dead yet, although you can't get any closer to not having a pulse than they've been for really the last two months, let alone the last two weeks, two days. Uh, I like the Oklahoma City Thunder showing up last night on the road in Memphis, Kevin Durant, Mr. Unreliable, as the Daily Oklahoman called it, called him uh, with that headline that they then apologized for. You never see that. I was a newspaper reporter and editor for 10 years. For a media outlet to make an apology for a headline is stunning. And I can't help but wonder, since I know how these things work, uh, what the... uh, (laughs) What the relationship's going to be like going forward between the Daily Oklahoman and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously, they need each other. So, that ought to be uh, pretty fascinating. And my last thought, uh, simply, uh, the San Jose Sharks. You know, uh, we watch them up here with great interest because Joe Thornton was the overall number one pick of the Bruins. Uh, Never quite got it done here, but a likable guy. Um, went out to San Jose to much acclaim, they've been knocking at the door, but for them to uh, give it up with a 3-0 lead, um, just incredible, all credit to the LA Kings for coming back, that team is championship timber, to say the least, and uh, so, uh, fabulous. That's the Game 7 I, I was focused on, but it turned into a bit of a runaway, whereas the much less anticipated Game 7, Minnesota Wild at Colorado Avalanche, turned out to be uh, an instant classic in and of itself. That was the better game that night. Um, and then Flyers-Rangers was uh, from Madison Square Garden wasn't bad either. So, Just good stuff all around. There's, again... You know, just really nothing like this period in sports. It's uh, it's pulsating, and uh, it could reach its first-round climax here uh, this weekend. And, you know, you know we, we get a little bit of an appetizer tonight with three huge game sixes in the NBA. Toronto at Brooklyn, San Antonio at Dallas, Houston at Portland, that will decide what, if any, game sevens will occur on Sunday. But we've got three NBA Game Sevens tomorrow. That we know. Finally, my bizarre story of the week is uh, no surprise the whole Donald Sterling situation, uh, the Fuhrer, uh, the talk. By that I mean just it was the dominant story, totally crossed over out of sports. Right up and through it, up to it, including President Obama commenting on it. It was just uh, stunning to see how this story just uh, instantly got legs and became the dominant story in the United States for about two to three days, basically all last weekend, and culminating when new commissioner Adam Silver brought down the hammer, with a lifetime ban on Donald Sterling and he just handled it beautifully. You know, he had a couple little things Adam Silver did in his first couple months that, you know, it was so minor compared with the Donald Sterling situation uh, that, you know, you, you wondered, well, it was just a bit of a test, but that's all laughable now. Uh, you know, looking back on what was really a test was how he was going to handle the Donald Sterling Affair and you know what he did was just spectacular. Uh, obviously, it has met with 100% approval rating around the country. Uh, everybody, players, uh, the public, all of it, owners, the media, everybody has just loved what Adam Silver did. And the way he delivered uh, the punishment in his press conference and handled the questions afterwards, it was downright masterful. For a guy who's been in the job for just a number of months, uh, you know, got to hand it to him. You you know, you never know how a brand new commissioner, especially one succeeding David Stern, who's been there for decades, is going to turn out. But, you know, he got his baptism of fire and he certainly passed his first test in a big way. So, with that said, as my former co-host, Mount Williams, from outside the huddle, likes to say, time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info U.M. is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, Blackberry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market.
4: Your Internet flagship station for
1: sports, Voice America Sports.
2: Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at IIR at net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call in expert, AP Studham of Bama Magazine. And AP, how are you doing today?
4: Oh, doing great, John. Doing, have a great, great day.
2: Good, good. Glad you called in. Beautiful weather here in New England. And uh, it, finally, it's May, and uh, actually starting to look like it should in May. So. We're getting there after a harsh winter, but uh, you had a great weekend last week, a great Saturday night down in uh, Mohegan Sun, and we talked about it last week on the show, a Legends of Basketball event, I think it was called, and uh, we're all anxious to hear all about it, so why don't you tell us how it went?
4: Yeah, it was a a great night, John. It's the National Basketball Retired Players Association Awards Gala, and they honored... uh, uh, Pat Summit. She was not able to be there. Shamika Holesclaw was was able to put him in her, her, her up uh, you know, as a replacement and give a nice speech. And to Jim Calhoun from the University of Connecticut for all his contributions to the game. And then finally Bill Russell, uh, I guess the all-time winner in uh, professional sports. So, without a doubt. Uh, Eleven they, championships
2: you know, in thirteen years.
4: Yeah, yeah. So every, every time his name is mentioned, not only in the world of basketball, but any time they talk about winning championships, so you, you can't have a conversation without mentioning the, the tall left-hander from the University of San Francisco. So, uh, but, but I, let, I let,
2: he, let me just interject that he, of course, won two national championships at the University of San Francisco and also an Olympic gold medal or two. So. Just to make, he is the biggest winner in all of sports. So, wow, to be in his presence, it really is. I've been in his presence once or twice. It's like being with royalty, It's sports
4: royalty. Yeah, and half the time, John, you can't even list all those other uh, awards that he's received because y- you have a mouthful of championships that you're talking about. So uh, he's quite an impressive person, um, you know, off the court as well. He's well spoken and has. It's always been at the forefront of uh, pr- promoting, you know, harmony across the country, and and he's he's one to take a stand. He doesn't back down, and he's, he's adamant in his in his way, and always has been you know, quite a a forceful individual.
2: Oh, absolutely. A true American sports icon who, as you said, you know, crossed over because he was playing in the uh, turbulent 60s and was not afraid to take stands uh, uh, up to and including, you know, standing behind Muhammad Ali uh, when his championship was stripped for not entering the draft, that type of thing. So, you know, Bill Russell's
4: uh, led an amazing life, to put it mildly. Yeah, and uh, they also honored Dr. Richard Lapchick. John, John, you're probably familiar with him when he was at Northeastern University and all the things he's I, done to promote uh, you know, minority hirings in and, and all the sports across the country, especially at intercollegiate level.
2: I've met him, actually, at an NFL player engagement event at NFL headquarters, I'm very familiar with the name. Everybody in Boston is, and most people in sports are, and very impressive individual and a trailblazer in his own right, and uh, so, yes, that had to be uh, uh, pretty fascinating to to see him down there as well. Just really a a star-studded collection, to put it mildly.
4: Yeah, I was there primarily, John, to interview Robert Ory, a former Alabama legend and nba clutch shooter i mean he was like 1-800 dial-up clutch shooter for three three <laughs> different teams uh, he has the most championships of any non-celtic it's seven wow so he so he and bill russell had a lot to talk about a lot of yeah, things yeah yeah they, they you know robert was there he's listening to him at the table i could see him leaning over and having conversations throughout the evening and uh yeah robert we we had some fun in our interview i asked him uh the legendary Boston uh, Globe writer, Bob Ryan, once asked me a question. He said, would you rather be Charles Barkley with all those individual accolades or be Robert Ory with those seven championship rings? And, and Robert was uh, he's, he's very witty. He gave me a, uh, a witty answer and said, well, if you look at Charles, he didn't have all that many individual accolades, but I'd rather have my seven rings, but I'd rather have Charles' bankroll.
2: Yeah, right, right. And Charles's current life is pretty fascinating, too. Uh, so it's pretty amazing to think that, you know, Bill Russell and Robert Ory seated at the same table, correct, if not even beside each other, and between two men, 18 rings. That's stunning. <laughs> yeah.
4: That's yeah, like they, they boggles the had, mind. Yeah, they, they could have had quite an auction that evening.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, there you go. uh, Then then Robert would have Charles Barkley's bankroll. uh, uh, Auctioning off seven rings uh, from, what, three different teams. Right. Well, I've got to ask you this, you know, given the timing and everything. uh, Obviously, the biggest event in sports of the past week was the Donald Sterling uh, mess, for lack of a better word. That story had broken on Saturday, so was it what, had it broken, and was it a topic during that
4: the evening? Uh, well, John, it, it, they didn't uh, address that specifically during the um, during the event, but there was chatter among the, the different players about it. Uh, and Of course, everybody was flabbergasted by the comments and. And uh, you, you, it's just kind of a surreal moment. You can't believe that someone who's been in, uh, the longest tenured owner for 33 years of a league primarily, uh, you know, with African-Americans who would make those right. types of statements. So, yeah, the, the players, they, they couldn't believe what they had heard, and they were really upset. And, uh, uh, you know, consequently, they they were banding together, you know, with their thoughts and their, their wishes for the the new commissioner to uh, carry out.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I wouldn't expect that it would have been in any way mentioned during the event in the same light. It wasn't NBA retired players event. And this story was so pervasive from the moment it broke on Saturday that it just completely overwhelmed everything in all conversations. So, you know, I can only imagine it was, you know, uh, a a hot topic in private conversations, you know, that evening at Mohegan Sun, obviously. I mean, it's all anybody was talking about for the better part of, you know, 48 to 72 hours.
4: Yeah, and and John, you know, one of the fascinating things was how how quickly they responded and reacted. Now, what's going to transpire down the road to try to remove him? from the ownership and, you know, its family and who's going to end up buying the team. These are all uh, questions that are going to engage the public until it's completed.
2: Yes, well, one of the fascinating aspects of this story, uh, you know, is the fact that, you know, in the aftermath, word circulated that it looked like, you know, some or all of the teams scheduled to play, be it Monday night, Tuesday night, were not going to play, like uh, specifically the Golden State Warriors, the L.A. Clippers opponent was, by all accounts, ready to not play that night, literally walk off the floor. Uh, so, you know, yeah, ha- I'm not saying this is why Adam Silver meted out the punishment he did, right. but the word seemed to be... Well known enough, this rumor, if you will, that you know obviously Adam Silver would have known about it. And were there any question as to what he might have done? He clearly, you know, hearing that might have had you know. Let's just say it made his decision easy, easier, easier because yeah, he had to take so. definitive action.
4: Yeah, and John, I mean, you you followed the NBA for quite a few years. I I think he was an mm-hmm. owner that. Was kind of uh, disowned, if you would, by all of the other members, and they they were kind of searching for a way to relieve him of his responsibilities for years. And he he opened up this door conveniently, and it was he was easily just shuffled out by you know the commissioner Silver there. So yes. one thing I was going to ask you about, John, you know when when Doc Rivers left to go from Boston to Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Clippers. It, and some of these things had come out in the past about uh, Donald Sterling. I, I wonder what was the conversation like between those two men when he was hired.
2: I have to I mean, you know, I follow sports more than the average person, but, you know, uh, I have no inside knowledge, but, you know, Donald Sterling's, you know, history was commonplace to people even like me, let alone Doc Rivers, as I'm sure it was to you. I mean, you know, this was not surprising to hear these, you know, the tape, the comments. It wasn't like, because, you know, the stuff, you know, the discrimination lawsuits, what have you. That was common knowledge. I mean, I knew it. I assume you knew it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, everybody, everybody knew it.
4: Yeah, so th- this is what puzzles me. I mean, it's like the movie Casablanca when the French uh, officer is, uh, you know, the, the German German officer demands that the French officer uh, closes down Rick's gambling casino and, uh, and you know, he, he's a prime, prime gambler himself at the, at the uh, facility. You know, I'm shocked there's gambling going on. I, I just don't know how Doc Rivers could, uh, you know, go to work for Donald Sterling and then act surprised and make some comments about, well, I'm not sure if I'm coming back to coach the team. And uh, I mean, you did not know this when you were hired?
2: Yeah, you know, that's that's a tough one. I'm a big fan of Doc Rivers. <laughs> big time, I've told the story on this show about meeting him on a golf course in Disney World during a tournament. And how graciously he treated me. I sat in on a number of his press conferences inside the Boston Garden yeah. at the Celtics Practice Facility. But that said, if I had to, to answer your question, my take would simply be, you know that he wanted, you know, number one, it was a tr- very attractive team out in Los Angeles with Chris Paul, right. And you know, Blake Griffin, a, a team that could win a championship with a guy you know where doc rivers could come in and be the difference in winning that championship make it happen i also think doc rivers is you know perfect for los angeles he's obviously a fabulous personality terrific uh when he was on tv as an announcer and obviously still as a, as a coach and dealing with the media so i just think that you know i have no idea what went on between Him and Donald Sterling in conversation, I would only say that, you know, um, I'm looking at it from Doc Rivers' global point of view, or from my point of view, and thinking, you know, Los Angeles, championship quality team, you know, the whole sort of Clippers, second fiddle, the Lakers, just really a lot of upside to that job. Yeah. And, you know, but my guess is as good as yours as to what he and Donald Sterling... Uh, talked about. I have no idea. No.
4: Yeah, If I if I was ever to meet Doc Rivers and I was able to ask him a few questions about why he chose the Los Angeles Clippers, that's one of the questions that I would ask him because I would be really interested to know what transpired in that conversation and how he vetted, you know, Donald Sterling about. His ownership, and I mean, you know, Dow Sterling had hired Paul Silas in the past, former Celtic, Don Chaney, yes. former Celtic, Doc Rivers, former Celtic coach. So there, there's been some history of, of uh, reaching out to former Celtics.
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating situation. You, you know, again, I'm it, it, sure Doc Rivers knew his history the way I knew his history the way you knew his history, and he probably knew more than each of us and other people not in the game. But he, he he did what he did he, <clears throat> and for whatever reason he you know yeah. chose to go forward and um, you know with all that said he is I think since it happened he has handled it well I will say that
4: yeah I think his his uh, remarks have been tempered and you know he's not going overboard and and, and been very uh, steady in, in his leadership
2: I agree. I agree. Uh, Well, you know, again, just to close it out as we head to the break, you know, each time things like this happen, you know, it just reaches new levels never before quite seen with social media, things like that. And, you know, boy, this story just in my mind set new standards for just literally like taking over the news cycle. There's no other way to say it.
4: Yeah, pervaded every facet of the news. It sure did. All all the stations, all the 24-hour networks, of course, every sports network and uh, every headline across America.
2: Totally. It, it was the lead story, period. Sports, non-sports, lead story, and every media outlet for the better part of two days. So, uh, again, we're, you know, we are just continue to, to, you know, blaze new trails when it comes to how... <clears throat> and what types of events generate uh, this type of coverage. So it was pretty fascinating to put it mildly. Uh yeah,
4: so, it, go it, ahead. sure was, John, sure was John. And all the everybody right away wanted to make their you know their comments known and their their backing of the commissioner.
2: Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that, because that to me is maybe what was a little different about this is that it just seemed like everybody chimed in on this. Like, you know, personalities, you know, across the country through Twitter, what have you appearing on media outlets, just wanted, needed their opinion to be known. Nobody sat back on this one. It seemed everybody instantly, you know, was like pushing their opinion out there. Um, and I thought that was what made it a little different, a little unique, and again sort of moved the whole way the news works in this country forward a little bit than than what we've ever seen before
4: yeah and and the, the the voting by the membership is going to be uh watched very carefully is that going to be transparent or are they going to announce who voted which way is it all it's going to be unanimous i mean
2: oh yeah you you mean on uh, the Clippers having a new owner, absolutely. That that yeah. is going to be uh, closely watched. To put it mildly, I mean, yeah. I don't know about if it'll be public, but obviously the the result will be public. Whether or not the, the yeah. vote by vote will be public, who knows? But the yeah. result yeah. will
4: be. Yeah, I think it'll be late. Late to move if somebody does not vote uh, in favor of removal.
2: Yes, yeah, so I think the Sacramento Kings owner, interesting guy who was actually profiled on 60 Minutes, said on, like, Good Morning America or a show like that, mm-hmm. uh, a mainstream morning show that he thought the vote would be 29 to 0 yeah. for, uh, you know, to, to force Sterling to sell. So, oh, yeah, this story w- will bears watching, to put it mildly, because, you know, <laughs> It's only been phase one, and the real important phase is, is yet to come. So with that said, uh, why don't we take our break, and we still have lots of other things to talk about on the other side, AP.
0: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at T R N. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net, Still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we can never really get through a show, nor do we want to, without talking a little football here. We had a little news on the uh, the ever-growing, if you will, uh, college football playoff system that is, you know, uh, being formed, if you will, as we speak. So, why don't you bring us up, uh, up to date with the latest?
4: Yeah, John, the, the selection, uh, team of 13 for the college football playoff system met in Texas this week and they came up with a few, uh, p- policy determined, term- determinations. And one of those, they're going to have a poll announced every Tuesday on ESPN. It's going to come out, um, October 28th will be the first first one, so they're going to let the season transpire, games be played before they make their announcement of what teams they have uh, at the top, and that, that's like the ninth week of the season, so I'm not sure if that is the, the smartest thing because in the basketball, when they select the basketball team for the NCAA, they don't have a poll, They just meet in Indianapolis that weekend, and they come out with the teams that are being selected for the tournament. So all through the football season beginning in late October, you're going to have these rankings, and it'll be going back and forth, and there'll be movement, And, and then when they come out with that final determination of the four teams, it might not be number one through four that started the weekend, even though they all win.
2: Yes, you know, and I was, I was aware of this poll. Uh, you filled in a couple holes I had. I didn't know it was going to be on ESPN. I didn't know it was going to not start until October 28th. But, you know, I like it. Certainly the October 28th part, a full two months of the season, will have been played. And, you know, with what you're saying about, uh, you know, how it's going to work, I like it. You know, I, I just think anything new regarding – the world of polls to me is a good thing because you know i i still don't think we've all got it right and, and that includes the ncaa selection committee for the you know for march madness right when they pick the 64 teams as well i mean that can leave a lot to be desired like this particular year you would know it better than anyone you know i was bitterly disappointed that smu didn't make it and i know you saw them play at yukon and you know between Larry Brown the fact they're based in Dallas the final four was in Dallas yeah. you know uh, it, a, a team that seemingly you know came out of nowhere under Larry Brown and and best of all had become like the hottest ticket in the city of Dallas
4: with people like yeah.
2: George W Bush going to their games uh yeah. y- y- that's just you know one example uh you know of why the 64 the team selection committee isn't exactly perfect either. And, oh, by the way, let me just quickly say that, you know, I don't like the fact that they announce at 6 o'clock on a Sunday night and then, you know, when there's, like, actual championships being decided as late as 4 and 5 p.m. I I think that's a very bad thing.
4: Yeah. But, anyway. Yeah, and, John, in that particular case you mentioned, SMU, I mean, they're going to live their whole lives, that team, uh, with the memories of beating the national championship twice.
2: Correct. Exactly. I admit, you're right. Of course, they beat, they beat the national champion twice, including on their home court in Connecticut. You were there. Yeah. Yes. There, there you go. I haven't even looked at it that way. So good perspective in that, you know, that, that even justifies more that they should have gotten a bid
4: and they'll have to live with that for the rest of their life, knowing they weren't in the tournament, and then they did it right in front of them in Arlington, Texas.
2: Exactly. That, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, back to the college football. Um, so, yeah, again, I'll just reiterate what I said, that I support anything new and different when it comes to polls and selection because one thing's for
4: sure, nobody's gotten it right yet. <laughs> Ever. <No. laughs> No, that that's true. And then John, the recusal policy was interesting. Uh, they came out with this week, and it states that if you're receiving some type of compensation from the university, a university or your family member is, then you'll be excluded from voting uh, for the you, you know you, for that team. You'll you'll have to leave the room, but you, but you can talk about the team, um, but you just can't be involved in the voting. So. For instance, I don't think, like Tom Osborne, I don't think he's being paid by Nebraska anymore, so he can actually vote for Nebraska if he wants to.
2: Yeah, and, you know, boy, you just took the words right out of my mouth with that statement. I was just going to say, before you said that, like, you know, that recusal policy, as it were, seems troubling. Like, there, it looks like there's a lot of room for gray in there. And, boy, you just said one. I mean, I don't care what Tom Osborne Situation is currently with Nebraska. I mean, he—he right. he is Mister Nebraska.
4: Period, yeah, and always a, will be. Yeah, the congressman from the state. I mean, the coach all those years. Uh, so, native Nebraskan. So that's they're really relying on that word integrity.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I guess it's not a perfect system. I mean, um, but you know, again it's different, and you know we need different you know someday all of these you know the best of all of them might get put together into a system that actually works that somehow resembles you know pro sports where you know the records decide period, and that's it, and there's no complaints, what have you uh, well, minimal. But you know, and I realize college football's different game and different conferences, and we all know how it works. But uh, yeah, th- this will be interesting too. But you know, uh, th- there's going to be some good, probably going to be some bad as well. But it will be interesting as always. I mean, you already know, even though it's a, an official playoff system, that you know people are going to be left on the outside looking in, and they're not going to be happy. And that that sounds kind of BCS like in a way
4: yeah the scrutiny is going to be so intense uh it's unlike anything i've ever i can imagine yes again
2: we're all ready for something new and there's going to be good there's going to be bad but you know i don't think anybody is crying with you know the bcs now being history and you know, moving on to something new, but it will not be without controversy. That's for sure.
4: Yeah, and and then John, the <clears throat> the criteria the committee members will use to select the teams is on the vague side as well, and it really comes down to you know their preference. I mean, they're going to they're gonna look at the strength of schedule, and the conference championships won, and the head to head, and the results against common opponents, and one loss records, but It's going to be quite a moment when you have uh, some team with one loss, and maybe you have, like, let's say, an SEC team with one loss, and you're going to have to make that most difficult decision to select the team not from the SEC with one loss.
2: Yes, well, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. It'll be fun, though. I think it'll be fun again.
4: Oh oh yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, great to cover it. And, and it'd be interesting to see when they come out for the explanation of why a team is not selected. And I always said it's, it's like a tennis match. They, they'll come up with different reasons and you'll come up with another reason and then you'll, you'll send it back to them and they'll come back with something else. It's, it's that type of discussion.
2: Yeah, and just to close out the topic before we head to break, it seems to me that what's going to be different from the BCS, among many things, but the main thing might be simply that you know, there's going to be a face. Someone, a human being is actually going to talk about what went on, as opposed to with the BCS that felt like you know this mysterious, you know, the two <laughs> final teams were chosen, and all of a sudden, yeah, that's, that's it. it. You're stuck with them, and, and there's no human being discussing how it happened in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, the Wizard
4: of Oz will come
2: uh, out from right. the curtain. Bingo. Well said. And on that note, we'll close out uh, this segment and talk a little more NBA and NFL, play, NBA and NHL, excuse me, playoffs on the other side.
0: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is AP Stead of BAM Magazine. And before AP and I get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is simply Game 7s. We know we got three of them tomorrow, and uh, we might have three up to three on Sunday, depending on the outcomes of the three NBA game sixes tonight. So could be a game seven heavy weekend, which uh, you know, the thought of six game sevens on one weekend in the NBA is mind-boggling because we had three game sevens Wednesday night in the NHL that was made for, I'll speak for myself, a spectacular evening. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the best two words in sports. We all know it. We've all heard it. But AP, you know, uh, leading up to this potentially climactic weekend by any standard, a lot of people are calling this the best first round in the history of the NBA. And obviously... We haven't even, you know, had the Game 7s yet. The rounds is still in progress. Uh, I would not disagree with that based on what I've been watching. Uh, where, where do you come down on on the first round of the NBA this year?
4: I can't even know if there's a close second, John. I, I, just, I agree. I can't recall. Yeah. So many tight uh, series. Correct. It, it, it mean, it's like a resurrection of the pacer. I mean, let's take that particular series, like a resurrection.
2: Totally. Um, you know, if ever a team was left for dead, and a player in particular left for dead, Roy Hibbert, uh, you know, it would, it would have been last night in Atlanta and so Atlanta had the lead with like a minute or two to go and I thought, you know, this, this is it and what I've been saying and obviously the, the story has now changed, but Maybe not. We'll see tomorrow. But that, if the Pacers go down, it is the basketball story of the year. Period. Um, given where they've been all year and the past couple of years, it's the story of the year. What happened and looking at Larry Bird last night and uh, you know his you know and throughout the series and his you know facial expressions and then to see the relief last night. They're going home to Indiana tomorrow for Game 7. They are the ones who basically have patented the we want to play Game 7 at home. Of course, we always thought it was going to be the Miami Heat in the finals for the Eastern Conference, but it <laughs> yeah. turns out it's going to be the Atlanta Hawks in the opening round, right? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> who, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible how that, that all worked. I mean, in Atlanta's got to be feeling like, I thought we had these guys. They did. They had them. I mean...
2: That's Jeff Teague. He's really a, a remarkable player. Uh, they had him last night. I mean, the, they had their moment, and I'm thinking they let it slip away, and I would say that more definitively if we weren't talking about the Pacers being the team who have basically set new standards of schizophrenia over the last couple of months. <laughs> a, a schizophrenic a team maybe that we've ever seen, which is why I say if they get down tomorrow, it's the sports story of the year, basketball sport story of the year, and you, and then the truth will come out. It always does after the season.
4: Yeah, when somebody's disgruntled, it always works its way to the front page.
2: And I think AP, if it does happen, I, I think it would be among the uglier truths in recent memory in all of sports. I really believe that. I, I think what's gone on there over the last couple months
4: is probably been unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. There's no other explanation. No, no. John, do you think tomorrow night the Pacers I mean you know when they or when they play game seven, do you think they're gonna be um, you know, more relaxed at home or do you think they're you know they're saying you know, they're taking that big sigh of relief, you know, tying the series and they're gonna go back to Indianapolis and say, All right, we've I can relax slightly now. I feel good about being, you know, at home with the with the crowd. Do you think that's going to happen, or do you just think they're going to just tighten up?
2: It's just impossible to predict. Uh, you know, they were behind by 30 at home in Game 5 a mere couple of nights ago. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's just uh, so impossible to predict Um what, what, you know? what's going to happen, I guess what I would say is last night for the first time in a long time, there seemed to be real positive emotion in the last minute of that game coming out yeah. of the Pacers bench. And, you know, even from Larry Bird, like, uh, again, I think it was relief from Larry Bird. Uh, but, you know, I think for the Pacers, you know, they finally showed a little of who they used to be. A veteran team capable of closing out an important game, an elimination game.
4: Yeah, but they—they you know, obviously went to the the wall, you know the wall to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that crowd's got to embrace them and be so loud for that seventh game. I I just think it's going to be uh, difficult for Atlanta to win.
2: And I agree with you by and large, but this is the crowd, and I'm really with you. I, I think what I saw on the from the on their faces from the bench what have you on the court on the Pacers players faces last night told me okay i think they're maybe they finally you know are are, are have gotten it back together but this is where i mean they've been booed off the court at home yeah. something like 3 of the last 5 games yeah, yeah. i don't think that's an exaggeration i mean a few at the end of the regular season a couple yeah. in this against the hawks here uh, put it this way you know it, if it may be the most difficult, I'm not a better, but I think it may be the most difficult game to bet on in sports history because there is just no predicting this one.
4: No, be it'll, it'll be fascinating. Oh, to say the least, to say
2: the least. Um, another, you know, fascinating game. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder. You talk about a team under fire. You know the Daily Oklahoman. I talked about this in the opening segment with their Mister Unreliable headline. Uh, yeah, then issuing an apology, and you know they had their back to the wall last night in Memphis, and they showed up as well. You know, uh, with a much more authoritative effort, they they owned that game from the opening tip basically. So I was impressed.
4: Yeah, Kevin Durant. I mean, he laid it on the line, and he maximum production and a victory, and got him back to even up the series. So he's
2: a gamer he is he is um you know and why anyone would think otherwise is really you know just wrong i mean his his body of work uh throughout his career has been sensational and you know he's had a bad series i was watching the other night with you know the missed foul shot and Joey Crawford getting the ball from him between shots and all that. So
4: that was the hesitation
2: it, it, move at the foul line.
4: Yes, exactly. Now bizarre. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't work. But John, you wouldn't even know where Oklahoma City is located if it wasn't for Kevin Durant.
2: Bingo. You just said it perfectly. And what I said in the opening segment was, given the size of the town, given that you and I know the way these, you know. Dynamics work uh, you know two of the most prominent institutions in Oklahoma City are the Thunder and the daily Oklahoman and now they've had a very 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 public tiff for lack of a better word so to, yeah I'd like to be in a fly in the wall when they when they you know to see how they're all going to move forward because uh, this has been you know. Damaging, I think.
4: Yeah, John, did you hear some of the comments that Kevin Durant made after the game, by chance? A a few, yeah. I mean, he seemed to, you know, accept the burden of that headline.
2: Correct. Correct.
4: Um, I thought that was very mature.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, Again, what's not to like about Kevin Durant? You know, I see that, and I think, you know, why would you ever call him Mr. Unreliable in the first place? Yeah,
4: he he's, he uh, he didn't back away, and he accepted the challenge, and, you know, of course, he had a great game, but some people, are, you know, their personalities, they would have maybe whined and moaned about, you know, the, the spotlight, but, you know, it's easy to be in the spotlight when you're doing well. It's it's those people, how do they manage the difficult moments in their life? Exactly. They're exactly.
2: And he's always done it well, and he did it again, you know yesterday and last night. So hard to believe, AP, we've come to the end of another show, but thanks for your perspective as always. Great job.
4: Thank you, John. Thank you very much. It's always my pleasure.
2: You're, and uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern.
0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
4: Think
3: you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us know.